0: Gracious God, we thank you for this good opportunity. Help us do something good with it. In your name we pray, amen. Lisa and I, we were born on the same day, in the same year, at the same hospital. And we met in kindergarten. We've been friends all of these years. But our lives went in very, very different directions. And so three years ago, she gave birth to her first, and likely only child. Right around the time that Lexi was born, I was just wrapping up a non-stop decade of diapers, and child safety locks, and baby foods. And I remember getting on a plane with my kids for for the first time in years without having to haul everything that we owned onto that plane, and thinking to myself, so this is how the other half lives. I didn't think I was gonna live long enough to actually see that. Well, earlier this week, Lisa texted me. She was at her wit's end and in tears, and, and this is the text. Potty training is not working. She hates it. Pray for me. I'm so frustrated. Now, usually, I'm, I'm pretty good about responding to texts quickly, but I let this one sit for a couple hours. I suppose that I could have jumped right back in and said to her, have you tried the Cheerio trick? Or what about the star chart? Or the M&M rewards? But Lisa didn't ask for suggestions, which is such a good thing because then she would learn that only one of those options worked for only one of my kids and that was when I combined it with threat of, of, of killing them within an inch of their life if potty training didn't happen. So I did not feel like Maybe I was the best mom to, to give those suggestions. Of course, I could have also done the pat pastor response. Of course, I'll be praying for you. But the more I realized, that, the more I thought about it, the more I realized that I needed to clarify, both for myself and, and for Lisa, what I'm praying for. Now, obviously, that immediate issue is potty training, but closer inspection reveals that potty training is just a symptom of something larger lisa's tired she's tired she is more than tired she's exhausted and she's brand new to all of this and and she's feeling pretty isolated because she's a relatively new mom at 41. so over the years, we've talked about the fact that she's, she's afraid of that. She's afraid that she's doing it wrong, that, that something's going to be wrong with her child, that she waited too long, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And she's doubting, she's doubting so hard in, in this moment, both herself and, and God, that she's, she's just not getting the rest that she needs. And, and by rest, I don't, I don't mean sleeping. I just mean a true rest. But that's not going to happen until she reckons with her faith. She's in a tough place right now. She is in a place where many people in this room have found themselves for a multitude of reasons, where we're just not sure that whatever season this is in our life is ever going to end, and that we're ever going to be able to rest. And that's why the good word comes to us today from the book of Hebrews. Therefore, While the promise of entering his rest is still open, let us take care that none of you should seem to have failed to reach it. Hebrews is is telling us through a ton of complicated phrasing, this is a really hard passage to break down, that true rest comes to us only through faith. And it's good for us to talk about this because the promise of entering God's rest is still open to us even when we are too tired and too frustrated to see it. When a passage in the Bible starts with therefore, it means that the author is is responding to something that came before it. And in this case, the therefore is a reaction to what has been talked about in chapter three, which is where the writer is is reflecting on how the people of Israel, they didn't get to the promised land right away. This, This land of rest, because of their lack of faith, Hebrews 3.19 reads, and so we see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. If you go back and you think about that story of the Israelites, we know that they were out there roaming around in the wilderness. What we tend to forget is there was a moment where God brought them right there, right there to the entrance of the promised land. They're all standing there staring at it and they talked amongst themselves and they're like, you know, we, we could probably do this better ourselves. And so they spent another 40 years roaming around in the wilderness until they got to that place. Therefore, we have to remember that while the promise of rest is open to us, we have to take care that none of us fail to reach it. Now, many translations of this passage say, let us fear. Let us fear. Not let us take care. Take care is is very nice. It's very pastoral, it does not communicate the urgency with which we really need to hear this. We need to fear, we need to fear unbelief, because unbelief can steal rest from us. Now remember, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, unbelief and doubt are not the same thing. Unbelief is that willed, intentional refusal to believe. And Hebrews is pleading with us to make sure that none of us get to that place of unbelief because we're all seeking a promised rest. So if we're going to fear something, it should be unbelief because belief will allow us to rest. For indeed, says Hebrews, the good news came to us, is coming to us just as it came to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who have listened. So for we, have believed, for we who have believed have entered that rest, just as God said, as in my anger I swore they shall not enter my rest, though his works were finished at the foundation of the world. The Israelites simply did not believe God's promises. And they were certain, they were certain that they could handle it all on their own. Have you ever had that experience where you were just certain that you could handle it? No matter what it was, You could handle it. The end result, of course, was an additional 40 years of roaming around aimlessly in the wilderness. Now, as I think about Lisa, I I remember, I can remember standing in that place where she is right now and reckoning with myself about being able to do all of this and then having that moment where I discovered I couldn't. I couldn't. And then being worried that, that somehow I had missed something or I had done something wrong and that, that I just wasn't gonna be enough. And these are the things that anyone who has responsibilities or obligations might feel. And I actually think that my lack of sleep came from this unbelief that, that God simply could not handle my life or my kid's life as well as I could. So I was gonna have to stay awake through all of this and prepared and ready to go because, because I just didn't believe that, that God was on top of it. And since I refused, since I absolutely refused to handle, hand over that pressure to God, I carried it myself to extreme exhaustion. I'm not alone in this. I'm not. We all do this in different seasons of our life. But one of my most vivid memories of that time in my life was when uh, one of our members, Terry Bennett, her youngest child was just starting third grade when my youngest was born. And I have to say, in Terry's presence, I don't think there's ever been a time in my life where I was more jealous of someone else. Because I, I would see Terry coming through the doors and she looked like somebody who was getting to sleep through the night. <laughs> and and it, appeared, it appeared that she was someone who had not had to change a blowout diaper in years. And the thing that I was most jealous about at that point was that she didn't have to constantly watch her three girls to see who was putting what in their mouth or up their nose at any given moment. And one day, one day I, was, <coughs> I was half-heartedly joking with her about this, and, and she said, you know, the energy just changes. And, and one day, you, you switch from the physical energy to the emotional energy of, of raising kids. And for me, that was a life raft in, in a sea of frustration because in those days, I, I was certain that I would never sleep again, that one day you guys would come to my house and you would find me buried under a mountain of dirty diapers and dried baby food. And, and the thing about it was there were other people who had expressed similar sentiments, but I didn't believe them. So why... Why would I believe Terry? Well, here again, Hebrews speaks to this. Hebrews is addressing the need for the community of faith to put in the effort in keeping the believers from falling into disbelief. Terry's part of the church family. We're connected in Christ. So this is not just some random mom with some self-help stuff running around out there in the world, but someone who brought her three girls to church every Sunday. And so I could see that. I could see that there was a light at the end of the tunnel that we were gonna come out the other side and it was still possible to do that. That that is what made it possible for me to see that this stage of life was survivable and, more importantly, that I could trust God to lead me through it. Now, that doesn't mean that there's not difficulties or challenges, but that if I was at least willing to trust God with some things, then I could actually get some rest. Now, kids call it FOMO, fear of missing out. We adults, we just call it busyness to justify what we do. But FOMO is is this idea that, that we have to be in it all the time. Every second of every day, we have to be in it because if we're not in it, we're going to miss out on something. So how many times have you been there at night and you're watching your favorite TV show and you are so tired? You're so tired, it hurts. You can barely keep your eyes open. But for some reason, even with all the DVD, tech, DVR technology and all this kind of stuff, we're going to stay awake because we don't, we don't want to miss it for tomorrow. How ridiculous is that? And so we need, we need that community to remind us that unbelief is a constant and dangerous temptation, that we're gonna need the encouragement and the company of fellow believers to be able to fight off. Persevering to the end, that's a community project, which is something I really appreciate about our life here together at Kirkwood. By continually connecting ourselves to one another in so many ways, we are able to walk through even the most troubling of times holding on to our faith in God simply by holding on to one another. See, rest is is a journey. We're all bound to go through periods of exhaustion or frustration or simply deep and meaningful work that just depletes our energy reserves, joyful and as important as that work may be. Hebrews says, for in one place, it speaks about the seventh day as follows. And God rested on the seventh day from all of his works. That doesn't mean that what God hadn't created was good. In fact, he said it again and again and again. He did it, and it was good. It was good stuff, and he still rested. He rested. God created rest with intention and purpose. And again, says Hebrews, in this place, it says, they shall not enter my rest since therefore it remains open for some to enter it. And those who formally received the good news failed to enter because of their disobedience. Just because, just because God created rest doesn't mean that all of us are going to get it. Because it is a matter of faith. It's a matter of being able to say, God, I, I can't carry this anymore. Please, I've got to put it down. Can you pick it up for me, And you have to be able to trust God to do that. Again, he says that it, it, he has set a certain day, today, which I love because that's the reminder to us that maybe you didn't get that rest yesterday. Maybe you didn't get it when, when your kids were young. Maybe you didn't get it when your kids were old. But that's okay because we have today. We still have today where we can make that choice to trust God, to let God carry it for us. So when we talk about rest as a matter of faith, we can't do it without also talking about salvation. Many times when when somebody has passed away, we will hear that that person has entered their eternal rest. This is a matter of belief. On Tuesday, we lost one of our most active members, Anne-Marie Cropella, unexpectedly. And Anne-Marie wasn't just an active member, she was an active person. She ran marathons. Even up until last week, she kept a regular schedule of hours in the gym. So even at 79, she was always on the go. And when she passed, we realized how on the go she was. Because usually when somebody passes in the congregation, I I need to reach out to the people closest to them first to give them a heads up before the whole congregation finds out. Well, when it came to Anne Marie, we realized that she was in the choir. She was in a Connect Eight group. She had a Pray For Me partner. She was part of the gardening team, part of the worship team for the other service. She was one of the elders all of these people connected to Anne-Marie were going to need to to know this. Because for as busy as Anne-Marie appeared to be, and she actually was, she also understood biblical rest. And I think that's going to be her extraordinary legacy and witness to us as a church. The entire time that I have known Anne-Marie and Ed, they would help, they would do anything that you asked of them, But, but, they set aside aside time every day to reconnect to their faith. So you could ask them for help at any other time, except when they had set aside that time to be intentional in prayer, in study, in talking with one another about where they were in their faith journey. And that faith filled them with such peace that they could engage in rest, both here and now for Anne-Marie and Glory. One of the stories that that came out this week when I told a member that Anne-Marie had passed was a reflection on Hurricane Irma. Remember when we had Hurricane Irma and we called everybody ahead of time, and then we called everybody on the back end? Well, what was interesting was that when we called Anne-Marie and Ed, who live out on Longboat Key, what this member remembered was this disconcerting, disconcerting for us, not for them, level of calm that the two of them had about the whole situation. In the midst of a literal storm, they were just resting on the promises of God. I don't think there were two least less effect, affected people during that storm than Anne-Marie and Ed, who wrote it out right there on Longbow Key. And so when we think about biblical rest, for the rest of us, it's so much more about faith than it is about actual sleep. Because you can be wide awake and still be at rest. That's the value of what it is that we call the Sabbath. Church people hear the word Sabbath and and they think it's a Jewish thing, it's an archaic thing, it's what some of us do on Saturdays, what some of us do on Sundays. All of those things are wrong. The value of Sabbath is far more than just rest. It is intentional space that is carved out for us to reconnect to our faith. So a day off is not the same thing as the Sabbath. Saturday is not the same thing as the Sabbath if you're just gonna run all day long. And so traditionally we're not supposed to do any work on the Sabbath because that's when we need that mental space, that energy, to reconnect to God so that our faith is stronger up against the demands of the world. I will be honest with you. There was not a single Saturday when my kids were playing soccer where I felt like we were in the middle of a Sabbath. If you have ever gone out to the recreational fields and seen little kids run around playing soccer, there's no headspace for you in that moment to take a deep rest and think about, well, how am I doing with my walk with Jesus today? That doesn't happen. So no, Saturday, just because it's Saturday, and just because you're not actually working at your job, that doesn't count as Sabbath. It's a really hard thing to do, to carve out that space for Sabbath. That is a time when you are going to recharge your batteries of faith for the week ahead. So I finally texted Lisa. No recommendations, yes to the prayers, but also a reminder, a reminder that we need to continually keep telling each other in the community of faith. God's got her, God's got Lexi, and she's gotta give it a rest before she drives herself to insanity. My friends, life can get hard. And today we recognize that as true for mothers, knowing that it's just as true for every single one of us. And so, together as the church, we have to help each other fight the temptation of unbelief so that in these very busy times, all of us, all of us can give it a rest. Let's pray together. Lord God. Part of our pride is that we like being busy people. Some of us like it so much that it's our whole identity. When someone asks us how things are going, we like to say, oh, we're so busy. Because we wanna make sure that everyone knows how busy we really are. And yet, right there in scripture, you invite us into rest. Not just a break from what we normally do, but a true rest that involves that time to center our hearts on you. To be reminded that in you, we are enough. To know that we are loved and forgiven, redeemed and saved by you. And so I pray, I pray for this whole congregation. A mighty, mighty rest. In your name, amen.